Smash, smash. Bang, bang. Don't stop. Shlang, lang, lang. But then you hit record and you're out the door. Anyway, our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on Ray. Hi, folks. Hello there. Hello. Woo. What a what a weekend. Oh my god, I had a weekend. I I know I was there for part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Historic. Legendary. Legendary, as it were. Yeah, the, these these are the things that uh, YouTube videos are made of. <laughs> but you have to put up with audio, dear listener. Yep. Wah, wah, wah. Welcome back! Welcome back to Crush on Radio. Uh, I'm Rich. There, over there is Matt, and over there is Andrew. Hello. Yep. And oof, um, yeah, you know, this was really your. your I'm going to let you, Andrew, uh, give the story here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so as we've been uh, promoting for the past couple of shows, um, Rich and I attended the Long Winters uh, concert in New York City on Friday evening the Bowery Ballroom in New York, and this is the Long Winter's first ever performance of the When I Pretend to Fall album from 2003 in its entirety, and it was tremendous. I think uh, we can agree. Should, do we? Do you want me to go into the whole the whole story here, or well, how should we go about this? Well, let's. We're, we're going to talk about the album too, but I guess we yes. can set up do like the the, the pre thing because there there were six bands on the bill. Yes. Okay. So first of all. Um, we don't need to, let's just say, okay, so we are, I arrived in, uh, in New York city. Uh, my girlfriend, Abby and I took the train in and we met up with, uh, rich at like what, three thirty or four in the afternoon or something yeah, around there, around there. We walked, uh, 40 short blocks or something to that effect, uh, from, I guess that would be upper Manhattan to the Bowery ballroom. No, no. We walked from midtown. Upper Manhattan is like, midtown. uh, 200, hundreds and two hundreds. Okay. Um, not up on my geography, but so we walked to the, to the venue and, uh, when we arrived there, we saw the, the bill on the door, which pretty much explained that there were going to be five opening bands and the long winters were not going to be coming on until midnight. So (laughs) this was very exciting because we, myself and Abby needed to get on a train, uh, in Grand Central which was an hour walk or a 15-minute cab ride from the venue, uh, the last train going back to Connecticut was 147. So this was uh, the problem in the, in the background. Um, and, um, but I guess we'll get to that later. Uh, we met up with Nick Wynia, uh, app.net and uh, internet maker extraordinaire, who was as tall as he is handsome and um, very which nice is, Which is very tall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is very tall. And um, <laughs> so that was great. Uh, we went to dinner. What was it called? Uh, one Mile House. The One Mile House right next door, uh, which was good. Had a lot of French fries. Yeah, which, French fries. Which, which are decidedly not paleo. Yeah, well, you know, a special occasion. Paleo yeah. goes out the window. Um, I don't know if there's anything to say about the opening bands. I mean, they were all fairly listenable. Well, Eleanor Friedberger is uh, pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, she was great. Um, the... I guess the the real opening act for the Long Winters, and what I was what I was thinking is that this is not like the the Long Winters had five opening acts. This was like your standard Friday night at the Bowery Ballroom. Uh, uh, no, this I think it, it was had to do with the the CMJ thing, and they have oh, yeah. all these bands in town, and I guess they had to like squeeze them into a show. So, uh, hey, you're hey you guys, you're headlining. We're gonna shove four opening bands in front of you. Is that cool? Like, yeah, whatever. I mean, it probably says something that John Roderick uh, didn't show up until the middle of the set before Eleanor Friedberger. Yeah, <laughs> middle of the fourth opening band. Yeah, um, he probably had things. He he probably just showed up, sound checked, and went like, "said All right, screw it. I'm going back to the hotel and taking a uh, taking a bath." Probably, yeah, like a gentleman. Um. So yeah, all the opening bands were fine. Uh, they were. As far as you know, having to sit through five opening bands, I think that was pretty tolerable. Um, they were all very listenable. Nothing too painful. And um, Eleanor so Friedberger was, was awesome. Yeah, I don't know anything about her, but she was great. You, you, um, you, do you want to you, say anything about her? Go ahead. 
Um, I told you that she was awesome. I mm-hmm. told you. Yeah, Matt's a fan. Uh, I've I've got a, some of the Fiery Furnaces records and her two solo ones, and she she's she's she she's worth your time. Yeah, she's good people. Um, so I so Abby and I were trying to figure out what's about the situation. The last train was forty seven out of Grand Central, and if we missed train, we had to wait till thirty five next train. Yeah. Back as we were something. Uh, well, Which didn't help with that, by the way. I'm sorry. Yeah, we were thinking the worst case expense in the Grand Central terminal. So, you know, whatever. Um, the one I on uh, and said, how long are you playing for tonight? Because we're trying to make the 147 train and we're trying to strategize. And he said, we'll be done before 1.30. So I was like, okay. Famous last words. Famous last words. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we sit through the five opening bands. Long winters come on at quarter after 12, maybe. About that, and yeah. just almost inexplicably great. Um you know, I don't even know what to say. It was just amazing. I mean, if you're a Long Winters fan, I mean, you know the incredibleness of the Long Winters and their performance of When I Pretend to Fall was just fantastic. Uh, the banter in between song was was fantastic. The interaction with the crowd was fantastic. Uh, special MVP award to Mr. Sean Nelson on keyboards and backing vocals, who was just amazing as a, like Rich said, as a foil to John. Um, and you really get a sense of appreciation for his harmonies um, that are such a great part of that record. Even the guitar tuning was fun. Mm-hmm. And there was yeah. a lot of guitar tuning. A lot of guitar tuning. Um, I don't even know what to say, Rich, but help me out here. Yeah, it was it was an experience. Um, you know, the Long Winters, this is the first time they've ever done this thing. And we'll talk about the record uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd seen John Roddick before. I know he's a very entertaining performer. But, you know, with, with all the – with everyone around him to, to make it happen, it just – wow. And the only time – I. Matt posted a video of Sean Nelson's solo thing, mm-hmm. doing a cover of Radio Radio, and I know he's a he's a good show person. So having them having them on stage, you know, it, it, I didn't actually realize Long Winters was Roderick and Sean. Yeah. So like, oh, I always just assume you know it's Roderick and a bunch of guys. So I didn't realize Sean Nelson was actually a member. Yeah, I mean, you would think that you know when I put fall, great uh, indie rock record, but you know seeing it live, you kind of almost wonder. I mean, how much how great can it be you know there's not a lot of improvisation at least there wasn't in this um the the improv the improv was really like john playing guitar hero and just like wailing around during some of the songs like doing the feedback and stuff which was very entertaining to watch because i've only ever seen him play acoustic yeah i mean you think like i've listened to this album hundreds of times you know and i'm going to see it live and you know i'm sure it's going to be great and everything but you don't really get a sense of like how great it is until you're actually there like for some reason i don't know just the the mood in the room of seeing the long winters play this classic album together um it was just amazing i don't know this sounded sounded great i found one video of scared straight um on youtube and i put that in the show notes but you just really can't get an appreciation um unless you were there so i don't i don't really know what else to say it was just one of my really favorite shows i've ever seen yeah, the the rocked out version of uh, Bride and Bridal was pretty awesome too. Uh, yeah, that was great. They really um, um, made that a little we'll, heavier. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, let's let's the why don't we talk about the actual the actual record? Because uh, we okay, gotta, do we, we want to conclude my Odyssey before we do that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. conclude. Uh, yeah, get, yes, get, like... get get back to Greece. Okay, what happened? Yes. What happened? <laughs> oh my god. Well, okay, so. The show is cruising along, right? And with uh, with the banter, you know, in between songs and stuff, we're kind of getting down to the wire here for Abby and I. And we're, <laughs> we're going back and forth and like, what are we going to do? Should we leave and try to hail a cab and, and fly back to Grand Central and try to hop this train? Or should we just say, F it, and take the, the 535? And uh, so they finish um, The Sound of Coming Down, the penultimate song on the record and and they're about to start playing nora which is the the album closer and we weren't sure if they were going to play any other other songs but we were like okay at the very least we should probably start to head towards the door so we said uh goodbye to uh to rich and to nick and moved towards the exit and the exit was illuminated um almost a, uh like a, a very small little lobby of sorts there was a, a spotlight at the at the front door to the venue <laughs> and so if you were on stage and you looked out um you could clearly see the exit illuminated and so abby and i made our way back through the crowd and got to the exit and there was nobody standing by the exit um and we kind of paused there deciding if we should because at this point it was like 129 or something and we had you know 18 minutes to try and make it back to grand central terminal um and i don't even remember exactly what happened because i was kind of in the moment but um 
long story short, John Roderick calls us out from the stage and is like, where are you guys going? We got one fucking song. There's one song left to this record. Get back here and listen to the last song. And, you know, the crowd went crazy. And so we uh, we were kind of we hung our heads in shame and and walked back, walked back because we didn't want to leave by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but so we hung our heads and walked back into the crowd and we tried to to call out um, to John because I had explained to him that we were trying to catch this train on Twitter, uh, but he obviously didn't recognize me. And we know why would he? So I tried to call out to him that we were trying to make the train, but there was no way he he uh, could have heard me. So um, that was pretty funny. And um, we uh, so we watched Nora, and then they played Pictures of Me. I guess was that a cover? I wasn't familiar with it. I think it was a cover. Um, yeah, I'm actually gonna Google that song up. Yeah. So and then they played um, they played Pictures of Me for uh, oh it's for uh, Elliot Smith song apparently. Oh. Okay. Um. Yeah, I guess it was dedicated to somebody. <sighs> Maybe it was dedicated to Elliot Smith. Is he alive? Um, no, he 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 stabbed himself like some silly number of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe that was the the reference to because they were talking about how they lost uh, a dear friend of theirs or something and played it uh, in memoriam. So anyway, um, but so that was great. And but uh, by the time the show ended and the house lights came up, it was one forty-five, and Abby and I were pretty much screwed. Um, so we, uh, said goodbye to Nick and we split a cab with Rich back to Grand Central, which took like 20 minutes anyway. So, and maybe we would have gotten a different cab driver or whatever, but, um, we probably wouldn't have made it even if we tried to leave at one thirty. But so I tweeted John Roderick and said, uh, I've got the link to the Twitter conversation in the show notes, but I said, um, so we missed the 147 train and had to, uh, now we have to wait four hours in Grand Central, but it was an honor to be called out by you. And, uh, he responded let me just read it verbatim because why not um and he tweeted back to me like an hour or so later uh and well and before that a couple of other people that were at the show found me on twitter and said that that was one of the best moments of the show and i was like well you're welcome but now we're in grand central for four hours Uh, but so John tweeted me back like an hour later and he said that was you i'm such a bastard so glad you stayed many apologies for the missed train uh, and I said it was worth it and that we really didn't want to leave and that the the show was amazing and uh, thanked him profusely uh, for coming to the to uh, the New York area. And so it was an experience overall. But uh, long story short, or increasingly long story shorter, uh, Abby and I found uh, – we went to McDonald's first. And the McDonald's was – well, because Grand Central was closed from 2 a.m. to 5.15. So our plan of hanging out in the food court for four hours was – uh, not plausible. So we went to McDonald's, which was the next closest landmark, and their seating was closed. So there was standing room only in McDonald's. So then we found, we did a little Googling, and we found Scotty's Diner, which was open 24-7, and camped out there for about three and a half hours, had a Monte Cristo and omelets and a banana split and some root beer floats, and um, I passed out in the booth for like 45 minutes because I was on 44, like, uh, I was on like five hours of sleep, having taught a class at 8 a.m. this morning, that morning. Um, and then we caught the 5:35, got back into Fairfield at seven, and made it home uh, at about eight o'clock on uh, Saturday morning, wow. and then proceeded to sleep for eight hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, still in recovery. So, but um, anyway, so it was uh, a momentous occasion and a, a wonderful time. So, was, so all was... in all, it was worth it, despite the this night uh, in the diners and all that. Yeah, it was, you know, totally worth it. Uh, it was, you know, it'll be a great trip to look back on. Yeah, and it was great finally meeting you, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, now we just got to get all three of us in one sa- in the same geographic spot sometime. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I know that, like, like we, we've each met Rich, but we have not met each other then. So, mm-hmm. I mean, in person. Right. So, anyway, fantastic. Uh, fantastic meeting Rich. Fantastic show. Um, fantastic experience overall. So. And now we have a record to talk about, the actual record that was performed by the Long Winters uh, in concert for the first time on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And if you could set that up for everyone. I'd be happy to. Um, so the Long Winters have three major studio records. Um, when I Pretend to Fall came out in 2003. Uh, the first one, The Worst You Can Do Is Harm, came out in 2002. And then they put out a third one in 2007, uh, Putting the Days to Bed. All three of them really, truly, I mean, I'm a diehard Long Witchers fan since I discovered them. And all three truly great uh, indie rock records, in my opinion, 
I have a hard time determining which is the best. I think that overall you could probably say When I Pretend to Fall is the most sort of classic Long Winter's record. Um, but it's really uh, just a wonderful, wonderful thing. All three records are a wonderful thing. Um, my favorite song is Scared Straight, uh, but I have the live version of that in the uh, show notes on YouTube um, from the show. So why don't we play Blue Diamonds for, uh, for the folks at home? Sell yourself on blue diamonds Call vice, it takes a day to explain the crime You laugh at what the LA Times says about us But delight at my first try at being sly I, I love that keyboard part, I really do yeah, we should know that John played that part live and Sean Nelson did the guitar uh, in concert. Um, so I'm not even, I don't know. I mean, I could go through this entire record, you know, track by track, but I don't think we really have time to do that. Um, I don't know where to even start with this. I think this is, this record, I'm not sure if I can say this is my favorite Long Winter's record, just because two of my least favorite Long Winter songs, Bride and Bridal and Blanket Hog, are back to back on this record, right in the middle of it. And um, like Rich said, the live version of Bride and Bridal was a lot heavier and um, fantastic. I mean, they're still great songs, but uh, they just happen to be two of my least favorite Long Witcher songs as far as their catalog goes. Um, I don't know what to say about this record. It's just fantastic. It's a great indie rock record. Every song is wonderful, um, even the songs that I don't particularly um, more inclined to skip um, in their catalog. It's just produced. There's just so many little nuggets of deliciousness between the background vocals and the details and the in the in the background, the sonic qualities. I'm just I'm. It's really just like the show was. It's almost inexplicably, excuse me, inexplicably um, fantastic. So, Rich, can you uh, back me up here with the the awesomeness yeah. of when I pretend to fall? Yeah, this is the this is the first Long Winters record I checked out. I I got into it as as possibly you did through a a, a certain Mister uh, Merlin Man. Merlin Man. Yeah, I, I don't know if you ever heard of him, uh-huh. uh, Matt, uh, <laughs> I, I don't, or or Andrew really. I, you know, he he's like this guy he writes online about and does a podcast about stuff. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I the song "Blue Diamonds" was the theme song for a, a little video series he did, including mm. which included a uh, an interview with uh, Mr. Roderick. Uh, and the song "Blue Diamonds" was the theme, and uh, I'm like, I hear that you know that little keyboard, and like, that's a cool song. I got checking out, and then they have them, and then like. Yeah, this is good. This is good. This is good. It was it was kind of a grower on me, the record, but uh, oh, it grew. <laughs> <laughs> Title. Uh, so, um, I the songwriting is incredible. Uh, I especially, you know, he's he, Roderick has his gift for really literate, literary, really dense lyrics, mm-hmm. which is also also why I was glad Erin Friedberger was there because she she's very much in that same vein lyrically, not necessarily in terms of subject matter, but you know, very dense and literate lyrics. I mean, it amazes. I don't want to get off topic here, but it amazes me how how fat how she can squeeze some of those really long lines out of her, uh, in those songs, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this uh, it's it's great, and the more people who I can turn on to it, the better, because maybe you know if if it sells enough copies, they'll they'll put out the the fourth record that is apparently recorded. Yeah, the the long awaited fourth Long Winter's record has been sort of languishing uh, on John's hard drive, as he explained to some. To some demanding fans uh, at the show, um, yeah, I don't think we really need to go into that. I think that's uh, John's personal odyssey and his uh, his experience since you know achieving sort of some fairly big success uh, with the Long Winters and the intervening time, which I find very fascinating. Whenever he discusses it on Roderick on the Line, um, you know, I think he's really struggled with you know what to do with his identity, sort of what to do with himself um, since you know, making, essentially making all this money, quote unquote, um, after these three Long Winters records and sort of just trying to determine who he is and what he wants to do next, you know, for the last five or six years. Um, and so hopefully the time will come around. I mean, I think, um, you know, they were clearly, were loving the heck out of, uh, of playing together up there on stage. So hopefully this will sort of spur um, him to finish the, the new record. Yeah. Um, anyway, Matt, since you're I know you know who Mr. Roderick is, and you've seen him solo. You weren't at the show, but you finally heard the record. What do you think? Like, yeah, it's kind of funny because I mean, like, uh, John Roderick lives around here, and so I mean, he he kind of shows up 
you know, a fair number of times. And, like, he's really good friends with They Might Be Giants, so he's been at a few TMBG shows on stage, just, you know, like, on one, he played the part of the deranged millionaire for the Venue Songs Tour, and then another one, it was, like, uh, Jonathan Colton was opening, and Roderick sang on, uh, was it Nemesis, I think? Yeah. Yeah, and he, he came up and did that on the on the live show as well as on the on the record so um but yeah this is the first time i've really sat down with long winters after like having like so many people like be like dude long winters and uh so yeah i for me it's i love the songwriting and i love the production but i i honestly found john's vocals a little bit hard to get into i i i i like i don't know there was just something about it that didn't quite click with me vocal wise but it's like i could tell that like everything else about the record was firing on all cylinders if that if that kind of makes sense which is kind of a weird thing and it's sort of like and i think it might i i think kind of like what you were saying richard it's it might be a little bit of a grower for me too like once i can kind of i I guess get my uh get get used to his singing style i can i can probably appreciate it more but yeah but that, that's kind of what it was, although it is kind of interesting. Like, I brought up the uh, Wikipedia page for the record because uh, I was actually... Do you know who uh, designed the album art? No idea. Like, uh, Andrew, do you happen to have a copy around or... Because uh, the, the album art to me looks a lot like um, an artist I like called uh, Sean Wolf. Um, I don't know if that's actually him or not, but but yeah, I just was kind of wondering. Oh, I'm looking on Wikipedia, and apparently the indie rock band Boat, all caps, prepare. Oh wait, no, that's parody. Parody. Covered- uh, that's not helping. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but yeah. Anyway, though, I I do like the album art. Like I said, again, like pretty much every aspect of the album is firing on all cylinders, except for the vocal for me. So. Um- It'll grow on you, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, I got to tell you one of the stories Sean told about the record. Uh, the song Stupid, um, mm. uh, when he was... At, he, he gave the story after he played the song, because I don't remember uh, why. But uh, <laughs> um, apparently he got a call one day from the Special Olympics asking if they could use one of his songs uh, for a commercial. And, you know, John, being a, a decent human being, was like... Sure, anything. Yeah, what do you want? It's like, oh, you want to use the song "Stupid." I don't think that would be a great idea. <laughs> it's like, oh no, 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 no. We don't want to use any of the lyrics. We just want the, to use the uh, the intro. Uh, I still don't think that would be a great idea. I mean, we already made the commercial, and you know, everyone here signed off. You know, thinks it's cool. And like, well, he must. And so for two months, John kept getting emails saying, "You monster." <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah. And that wasn't even the funniest story of the night. (laughs) You still there, Andrew? Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to mute this whole time. Oh, oh, I'm Uh, sorry. Okay, you you scared us. (laughs) That's okay. I was worried that uh, I interrupted Matt when he was talking, but it turns out he couldn't hear me, so that's why. Um, Yeah, I mean... Again, like this, it's such a treasure of a record, and I've never heard, um, I've never even thought that the, the vocals could be difficult to get into, but you know, that's just a personal uh, opinion. And hearing it performed live and sort of hearing the stories in between songs and stuff really gave me a, a greater appreciation for um, the record and, and what it means. So, I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Certainly give it, you know, let it see if it can grow on you, Matt. Fair enough, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, mean, I oh, that's okay. I um the first record that I got into was putting the days to bed, and I actually was given that record uh, by a friend in college and did not listen to it for years, and then just happened to put it on. I think once I heard had heard John Roderick's name repeatedly uh, through Merlin, and just fell in love with it immediately, and then proceeded to devour the entire Long Winter's catalog. So, um, yeah, so that was my entryway. Speaking of putting today's to bed, uh, before we move on to uh, the next. Uh, album because we're already 25 minutes in mm-hmm. um do you prefer the album version of ultimatum or the ep version of ultimatum i prefer the heavy rock version on putting the days to bed thank you Same although, although i find them both you know lovely but mm-hmm. uh 
yeah, I find the, the version on putting the days to bed to be much more cathartic and incredible. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, The Long Winter, Andrew and I both saw two shows this week, and The Long Winter was the only one we saw together. Um, Wednesday night, I traveled over to the venue Terminal 5 to see Savages, who are a all-female, I think all-queer, if not all-lesbian, post-punk group, mm. who are very awesome, and um, they have one album out, and it's called Silence Yourself, and they played almost every song from that at the show. Um, so I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the experience uh, at the show uh, after you hear a little bit of the song, because it involves the song, and the song that uh, the, the big song on the record is called "Husbands." So let's hear a little of a little of that. It was an interesting show. Uh, I got there. It, they said the doors were at seven, so I figured the show would start at eight. No, the door, show didn't start until eight forty-five, apparently. But uh, I went down with the at eight, and uh, there was uh, this weird performance art dance troupe thing. I just remember like I, there's these five stage lights shining out of the audience, and there's a circle of people, and looking in, I see this woman scooching on her shoulder, and you really need a visual for this into the into the circle. There's another girl on the balcony twirling around. There's four, three other girls, and the one on the balcony turns and they do this weird slow motion dance to this like thing that sounds like a broken clock. Um, anyway, then there's the opening band who I don't remember the name of, which kind of sucks as a I want to know their name so I don't ever accidentally buy into their records. Um, <laughs> anyway, savages come on. Uh, I'm about halfway back, and yeah, you know, I can see the whole stage, and it's they they put on an intense show. Uh, their singer, um whose name I am blanking on. Why am I blanking on it? Um, Jenny Beth, with an H uh, after the E. Um, Jenny Beth, she she uh, is very much... Uh, she borrows a lot of her, her stage persona from uh, Ian Curtis of Joy Division fame, uh, only without the, you know, crippling, crippling seizures, which is a good thing. Um, and it... They, it's the 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 feel of the the state the feel of the sh- of the songs live really translates the the feel from the album. Um, anyway, the, the the next to last song was "Husbands," and as soon as that song starts, suddenly the crowd pushes forward, the crowd behind me pushes forward, and I'm like riding this wave of people. Next thing I know, I'm like because during the song she's climbing out onto the audience. Uh, you know, she's a tiny little tiny little woman, and uh, so you know she can climb on top of people and still be okay. And <laughs> I'm like five feet away from her. Suddenly the crowd shifts and she's back down on the, uh, behind the barrier and running over to the other side of the audience and I'm like bouncing around. Next thing I know, I'm at the barrier, so I just grab hold. <laughs> so I'm right up front and center for the final song of the night. <laughs> that's just, that, that's, that's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, they're, anyway, musically, if, if you can't tell from the, from the excerpt, the, these, these, these girls are very much in the post punk vein, kind of like, Remind me more of early Susie and the Banshees more than like Joy Division with a bit of a wire in there. If you don't know, I'm, I think Matt knows wire. Oh yeah. So, uh, very very intense. Uh, um, I I just fell in love with this record uh, as soon as I heard it. Uh, it, it took me a little while to get a little past. Cause she, she, the singer does sound a little bit like Geddy Lee, mm. but once I got past that, it, it, once once I once I my brain accepted that, it, it was okay. And I and I fell in love with the record, so I, I'd love to know what you guys thought because this it, it's this is easily one of my my top albums this year. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, this has nothing to do with Savages, but um, I looked it up, and Sean Wolf did indeed did indeed do the uh, album art for the Long Winters record. Thank you, Sean. I I, I love his art, so yay. But anyway, <laughs> um, I guess I'll talk about the Savages since I interrupted to talk about. The album art. <laughs> um, I, I I quite liked this one. Um, the uh, first track, and and not so much the rest of the record, but the first track especially, kind of remind me of a band called Motormark. 
and and I'll I'll throw uh, something of Motor Marks in the um, in the show notes and all. And I'll also throw in a little bit about Sean Wolf too, because I'm talking about him too. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I, I quite dug this one. Um, to be honest, I don't really know if I have a whole lot to say about it. It just was like, like it, I, I don't know if it really like grabbed me and knocked me down. But you know, it was it was it was good enough. You know what I mean? It it it, it was an enjoyable listen. Hmm. Despite being though very dark and angry and oppressive and you know, well, I I, I, I like dark. that kind of I kind of like that stuff. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you're the guy who picked the the Nine Inch Nails record the other week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one where it's like I mean, sometimes like I'll I'll listen to like you know industrial stuff to like relax. So yeah, I'm like okay, yeah, I, I can you know. I I I I'm life cool is miserable. Uh, this song <laughs> is so relaxing. I agree with uh, <laughs> I agree with Matt. I um, found it to be an enjoyable listen. Uh, I I enjoyed it quite a bit when I was listening to it. Uh, I don't really remember much of it, probably because of my ears have been so inundated over the past three days. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it um, listening to it more with headphones for some reason. I got a little bit better sense of the sonic qualities of the album, um, especially Husbands has that nice uh, bass to it. Oh yeah, um, the, the the bass playing on the record is really really good. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was good. Um, didn't really blow any doors off for me, but um, I liked it. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I I thought we'd have more to say about it, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It kind of it was one of those ones where it um, on first listen it sort of goes into that that pile of um, post punk slash new wavy this all kind of sounds the same to my ears sort of era uh and it would have to i would have to spend uh, more time with it to learn the unique qualities of it compared to other things that we've heard yeah. on the show well the, the, a lot of the post-punk stuff tends to have really great bass playing so i think you'd, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd be into that um gotcha you know definitely check out joy division and wire uh joy division yeah, I, it's Joy Division's become kind of like a shorthand for post-punk, especially since you ever see. I'm sure Matt sees this, but like, do just like people wearing the cover art shirt for uh, the first Joy Division record, Unknown mm. Pleasures. Yeah, I have to admit, like, even though I, like, I am much more into New Order than I am Joy Division. Uh, and I guess for those who don't know, uh, New Order is what happened when uh, Ian Curtis of Joy Division killed himself. So. But, um, God, that was a downer. <laughs> but, but, uh, anyway, though, I, I was, what I was going to say is I, um, even though I'm not huge into Joy Division versus New Order, um, I do think that the cover art for, um, Unknown Pleasures is great. Oh, it's, it's great cover art. It's just like, you're seeing it on everyone's torso nowadays. It, and like, do you, have you ever even listened to this record? Do you know it's a record? <laughs> Do you do you know who Joy Division and I and I hate being that guy because like you know maybe you are maybe you're maybe you're sincerely a fan it's like there's there's other post punk bands besides Joy Division people come on <laughs> they're good but you know they're they're not the only thing I want to see someone wearing a a, a pink flag cover artwork shirt or uh, or or a magazine or or something uh, just like let me know I'm not alone I'm so alone <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so uh if that's 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 your there's your homework listeners if you're not up on some of the more interesting post-punk bands like joy vision's fine but go check some of the other stuff out too yeah like honestly like if if there is a a war between joy division and wire wire wins i think fair enough um <laughs> software update here remind me later anyway <laughs> what <laughs> i just something popped window popped up on my screen oh. here like there's a software update for you like what is this windows come on uh, yeah no. <laughs> i can okay. hate that shit man <laughs> <laughs> all right um so now we're we're down to you matt okay um i i guess for me like uh this is a sequel to a show um few uh few episodes ago where i chose the sing- the first single from this album but now I'm choosing the full-on album, and that that album is "The Electric Lady" by Janelle Monae, who is awesome. And uh, why don't we play a little bit of what actually is like the second or third single, depending on whether or not you count the uh, 
primetime uh, leak with Miguel. Uh, Miguel um, but uh, let's uh, hear a little bit of Dance Apocalypse. on that episode i think that janelle monet is awesome um and i it, it really does seem that she is uh you know beginning to to get the uh credit and acclaim that she deserves like uh I, i'm starting to see her uh in more places and basically with more people going like wait this is awesome you know which is definitely a good thing and i i love this album i think I think it's my favorite of the three. Um, well, I guess if you count Metropolis as an album, because uh, it's more of an EP, but still, though, it's uh, of the, th- the three main re- main releases, uh, it's my favorite. And uh, yeah, I love this one. I love um, Dorothy Dandridge Eyes is another really great track on there. That was, that was the other one I almost chose for a hook, actually. Um, but yeah, I... It's kind of funny because I don't know if I have a lot more to say that I didn't say already on the the previous episode, uh, but yeah, honestly, I I, uh, I I'm looking forward to seeing her. I see her in about a uh, week and a half, give or take, uh, when she's playing Seattle. Um, so that's going to be pretty awesome. And yeah, I, I I just think the the world of this record, and I want. I want the world to know that it is awesome and worth your time. Yeah. I, um, this is, this might be the show that really sort of epitomizes that whole phenomenon of records that you love so much that you can't really explain why, because it just, you know, is so (laughs) self, not self-explanatory, but it's beyond, it's again, inexplicable. Transcends, it transcends language. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think. I think this one is like basically. Have you not ears? <laughs> <laughs> have you not ears? Is the title. Um, uh, so yeah. I mean, I'm totally. I mean, that's how I felt about the about trying to explain when I pretend to fall to people. Um, but yeah, I loved uh, listening to the Electric Lady. Um, I thought the production was great. I thought that the the. Um, uh, I got nothing today. Um, everything. It, it doesn't great. help that we're that I think we're all a little uh, tired and sleep deprived. Yeah, I slept for twelve hours last night after sleeping until three thirty in the afternoon yesterday. But I'm a little overslept or whatever. Um, yeah, it reminded me of when we listened to um, "Sign of the Times" with John Pfeffer, uh, just in the in the scope of it. Um, because yeah, it Matt, I'm afraid like you a, missed that because we we gotta get yeah. John back on. Yeah, uh, but it just reminded me of that record in scope. Uh, and you know, it's a really sort of amazing piece of work and I loved, uh, dance apocalyptic. It's going to be probably one of the tracks that I put on my, uh, time capsule playlist for the fall of 2013. So I'm a fan. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm with you. It, it's the only problem I really have with this record. So there's so much going on. It's, it's, it, it can, it can be a little overwhelming. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's, it, it's sweets. What is it? Sweets four and five of, uh, What's it going to be now? Seven part epic? Yeah, I think it's seven. Yeah, because it, she keeps bumping it up uh, with each album. I think like the first, I think uh, Metropolis it was only going to be four. I think uh, Arch Android was five, and now it's seven. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, you've got the circles on the cover, and I just opened iTunes so I can take a peek. Uh, you know, it's doing that thing where it's loading the album art. Oh, boy. Did I pass it? No. Uh, anyway, but it's it, it's a very dense record sonically, mm-hmm. and so there, there's so much going on. It, it's it's a long record. It it can be. It's hard for me to like think. Yeah, Arc Android it has four circles with three filled in. So yeah, by Arc Android, it was yeah Metropolis. It's one and a half out of four. Arc Android is three out of four. So it's sweet. You know, it's parts two and three, and then suddenly oh no no we have four or five. Four and five out of seven. <laughs> I mean, look, whatever. However long she wants to keep it up, she can't because she she kicks ass. But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's like I am, I am not complaining. I I 
I hope that there end up being like 500 parts to this epic, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew, it's interesting you mentioned Prince because on the first real song on the record, it's got a guest swap by Prince and that, that, that just never happens. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if I told this story on the last one or not, but I read it in an interview where basically, like, um, like I think they wanted Prince to play, like, the BET Awards, and he basically called them and said, you get Janelle Monet on. And they were like, well, we weren't really going to. He was like, no, you get Janelle Monet on. And they were like, okay. <laughs> because when Prince tells you, you know, get this person on the on your on your award show, I, I better do it. <laughs> I mean, he, he he's Prince, so whatever you think about him, he, you know, the guy's got a lot of a uh, lot of credibility. Yeah, yeah, and so so she, I think she ended up like closing the night. I think, but yeah, it's like sort of like, I mean, that's kind of cool to have you know Prince basically be all like, no, you put her on TV. <laughs> and oh, um, I was also going to mention too about the production. Uh, most of the production is by a band. Uh, well, her and uh, a band in the Wonderland Collective called uh, Deep Cotton. And Deep Cotton actually just put out a free mixtape with an awesome, awesome album sleeve. And I'll throw that that link in the uh, show notes, too, for download. But it's a very, very much worth it. Cool. Uh, yeah. It, uh, I don't know if there's... You're right over there, Ryder? Yeah. Okay. I, just, I heard, like, some clanking. <laughs> nope. Okay. Um, yeah, it's... This is a this is a person who deserves a, a lot of uh, there. There's a great I think a Pitchfork did like a feature on her. Yeah, yeah. There was it was uh, there was this like one really nice feature on Pitchfork, which was like kind of amazing to me because usually like Pitchfork is like terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, they also did one on Savages, uh, but I didn't read it. But because uh, you know it's Pitchfork. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, she's it's 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 interesting. Yeah, it's crossover appeal and. You know, she's got the sci-fi aesthetic with the robot, with the androids and the and the thing. And the, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to unpack in, in what she's doing. It's, you know, things like sexuality and race and all this with the through the sci-fi motif. And you know, that's that. And and she backs it up with really awesome music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. If, yeah. If I she, mean, it, if she was all was, conceptual, I don't think it would work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like kind of an old cliche at this point, but I know that, like, you know, people always say, you know, sci-fi isn't about the future; it's about the present, and she really embodies that. I think just, you know, because you know, there her uh, the sci-fi trappings really do comment strongly <laughs> on society today, which is real good. I kind of trailed off there. <laughs> yeah, well, society today isn't real good, but commenting who she comments on it is real good. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you know, I I just I remember the, the 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 one of the interludes. You know, the the guy the call in like robot love is queer. How would you know if you've never tried it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to say, too, this is like one of the few hip hop albums I've heard where the skits are actually pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Most a lot of hip hop skits are 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 just awful. Yeah, yeah. I I actually I actively try to avoid hip hop albums with skits because of that. Uh, I don't remember if there were skits on Arc Android. I don't think there were. I've been trying to, and I don't. I honestly, I don't think there were. Like, there was like an intro on Metropolis, but that was about it. Yeah, and that's more like scene setting than, I, than I'd say right. a skit because it, you know, it's concept exactly. record. It, it's it's sort of uh, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it, it's not so much like a skit as just you know an introduction to the world. Yeah, which I think you need when it when you have like a a concept like this. Mm-hmm. But again, you don't even need to have the. It, it stands up on its own. Like you, you've got the two singles, and they they work even without the uh, the surrounding framework. And you can't really say it, that about a lot of concept records. That that's very true. It's like I, I think that the the singles end up being a little bit richer if you do know the framework. But if you don't, they're still super duper strong and just great. And you got but that music video for Dance Apocalyptic is awesome. Oh, it so is. <laughs> have you have you seen that, Andrew? Or? I have not. Oh, it'll be in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think the Queen video is a is a little better conceptually, but the Dance Apocalyptic video is still awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think the <sighs> Queen video has a little bit more to say, but the Dance Apocalyptic video is a lot more fun. Yeah. And that's you know you can you can ba- it's it, it plays the balance well. The, yes. When you yes. combine them, because 
you know, I, and you know, the last thing I really want to say about Janelle Monet is just, you know, she she doesn't compromise. No. Yeah, you know, which is great because you know, so she she's this is her third record basically, and at this point, if she hasn't, the fact that she was had been able, she's finally getting some mainstream recognition without having to actually change anything. Hmm. Yeah. That's, well, I like that. Like, apparently, like her deal with Bad Boy Records is basically. I deliver you a record and you put it out. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, Bad Boy agreed to that because she's so good, you know. Coming next year, Janelle Monet puts out uh, her first ever polka record on Bad Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Metropolis Part 6, Polka Fever. <laughs> Metropolis goes to Milwaukee. <laughs> hey, I mean, isn't, well, no, no, Princess from Minnesota. I was well, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I for some. It, it's an East Coast thing, like, <laughs> you know. Like, you know, all those, all those states in the middle of the country, they, they all just like blend together. <laughs> yeah, Texas, Minnesota, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're I'm here on the coast where things matter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. and we just lost every listener we ever had in the middle of the country. <laughs> Oof. All right. So, anything else we want to talk about this week, or? Well, Andrew, didn't you say that you went to another show, too, that we didn't talk about? Oh, I did go to see Humphreys, uh, McGee, and Bridgeport on Wednesday night. No, Thursday night, The Climb. And it was good. It was uh, Abby's first Humphreys McGee show. We were in the rear orchestra center, uh, which was nice because we're normally up front uh, for those kind of shows, which can be gets more physically exhausting <laughs> each passing year. And um, so it was nice to have seats. And it was a good – it was a solid um, sort of Humphreys show, uh, I think – this was the the start of their fall tour, and um, out of the four, the four shows, um, I think they did uh, Burlington, Bridgeport, and then uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, and then Maine. I think Portland, Portland, Maine, and I think that the Bridgeport show was probably the weakest setless wise. But you know, any uh, even an average Humphreys show is a is a solid experience. So um, they did a nice little fool in the rain cover as the encore, and so it was good. It was a good uh, good first show for Abby. So cool. Link to that is in the show notes if anybody wants to download the live recording. I think more bands should do that where they have their live show for download. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I buy, like, even, like, I'm going to buy the show from Bridgeport, even though it wasn't my favorite Umphreys show that I've ever seen, just to have it, you know, as in my library. I mean, that's how I keep track of all the Umphreys shows that I've seen. You know, I think uh, Thursday's show was my 20th. And the only reason I know, is that, know that is because I can go back and count all of the uh, UM live records that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I prefer I would prefer it be a download than like buying a CD too. If that disc mm-hmm. live stuff, it's just a little, mm-hmm. it's just a little annoying to have to like wait for uh, something to get shipped to you. Yeah. Oh well. Um. So by the way, aren't you seeing? Yeah, you said you. Yeah, you said you're seeing Janelle Monae. All right. Uh, yeah. So our next episode in two weeks will be. Uh, Oh no! It'll be uh, after Halloween. Oh, do you still want to do a scary music show? Or yeah, let's do that because those were fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, mm. so we got some picks, I guess, for next week. I don't know if I, if you got anything in mind, Andrew, but uh, I will I be. Don't. <laughs> Andrew's will be a surprise. Uh, yes, mine will be a surprise. I apologize. I will be picking the latest album by avant-garde rock group from Cleveland, Ohio, by way of now by way of London, uh, Pear Ubu. It is called Lady from Shanghai, and if you uh, want to get freaked out, listen to the uh, song 414 Seconds. It is a scary, scary track. Very scary, kids. Um, And I am going to pick uh, the first Fad Gadget album, even though the the entire record's not scary, but there are a couple tracks, including the uh, title track, which is Fireside Favorite, and I'll probably also talk about Insecticide, too. Is Ricky's hand on there, or is that just a single? Uh, that was just a single. Okay, because that's that's a pretty scary one. Yeah, and a, yeah, and a good. Uh, his hand lies. His hand lies severed by the side of the road. Ricky's hand. The, the, <laughs> that's the, my impression of a drill. The the best song against drunk driving ever recorded. Yes. Um. Do you have any ideas, Andrew? Or shall we just? Uh... No ideas. All right, Andrew will be a surprise. Yes. It's a very scary surprise, kids. 
<laughs> yes. It, it, we're gonna be it's gonna be like the Simpsons Halloween special where we do it after Halloween again. <laughs> like, have has Simpsons ever done their Halloween special on Halloween in the last ten years more? Like, uh like, the, no. like Halloween Although, week. Uh, the, yeah, no, the last one though, they actually did it like uh I think two weeks ago. So it's before Halloween this time, but way before Halloween, so yeah. Whatever we're gonna start. See- I'm gonna start seeing Christmas decorations in a- in in two weeks. I I actually think I there. I think the florist near me actually has a window that's already kind of Christmas fad, which is kind of like a little much. <laughs> yeah, we're way too early for this. Okay. Um. Although I've heard that like I think I think stations are actually beginning to flip to all Christmas all fucking ready. I remember reading that that like I think someone flipped. Like first of October or something. I quit. <laughs> I qu- I quit life. That, that, yeah, that that is desk flipping. Well, I don't want to damage my laptop. Okay, uh, where can we find each other on the interbuts? Uh, Andrew Marvin, pretty much everywhere. dot net and uh, on Twitter. And the app net too. Yes. Go get some sleep, dude. <laughs> or, yeah. or, or, or 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 something. To make you not sleep, so you can, yeah, yeah. You, 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 wow, you've had you've had a rough rough weekend too. So, oh, po- it was good. It was worth it. Yeah, uh, Matt, where can we find you? Uh, KittySeasons dot com on the tum- KittySeasons on the Tumblr, on the Twitter, on the AppNet, on on and pretty much anything except for Last FM, where I am a uh, rev me. And I am SansPoint dot com. SansPoint on the Twitter and the AppNet and the Facebook. Uh, actually, no, 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 I don't have it. That's not you, you won't have, you won't find me on the Facebook that way. Um, and uh, Sandspoint uh, um, on the Last FM as well. And we are of course CrushOnRadio.com. Crush on Radio on Twitter. Still don't have a Crush on Radio app net, but uh, I think I'll probably have one of those by the end of the week. Uh, certainly by the next episode. And we are of course on the iTunes. Leave us a review. Rate us. Love us. Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends to listen to us. Hold a gun to their head if necessary. Threaten to lick their eyeball. Ew. Well, you gotta have some. Like on the. You gotta have limits, <laughs> dude. I don't know. Like, I, there's there's a flaming lips EP that has that. That's the cover, and it's always freaked me the fuck out. Whew. But uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be like you know a gun that shoots bullets. You can like put a water gun to their head or something. We don't. We're not you know trying to kill people here. We just want them to listen to the show. We're not animals. So, love us, please. <laughs> All right. It's been great talking to you guys. It was great meeting you on Friday night, Andrew, and I'm glad to hear you got home you safe. You got it. Yes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Bye, folks. See ya. It, it should be a gun. It should be a gun that shoots bees. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.